When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. This episode of the Bird Shop Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. On this episode of the show, coming to you from Pine Ridge Grouse Camp with Jerry Havel and Dan LaFond of Upland Gun Company. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 249. All right, welcome into another episode of the Birdshot Podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great conversation coming up for you in just a couple of minutes. We're going to get to know the founders and original partners of Upland Gun Company, Jerry Havel and Dan LaFond. We will talk to those guys in just a bit. I want to quickly thank Patreon patrons of the show, those of you out there making voluntary contributions in support of the show to keep these conversations coming your way. Those patrons are eligible for Patreon giveaways, bonus episodes, and we set everybody up with some Birdshot Podcast canned coolers and stickers. You can learn more and sign up at patreon.com forward slash birdshot. All right, I will mention if you caught last week's bonus episode snippet, you maybe heard me talking about having one of my reloaded 28 gauge shells go off and getting the wad stuck in the barrel because uh, I did actually talk to Del Whitman on the phone yesterday and we chatted through it and he suspected that it was very likely using my mech size master 28 gauge reloader which i love uh it's quite possible the bushing that i'm using to drop the powder i maybe missed a powder drop or something went awry and anyways the the shell very likely didn't have powder in it and simply the primer went off and just pushed the wad down the barrel a little bit pellets roll out essentially and wad gets stuck in the barrel which not a big deal unless you don't realize it. Fortunately, I did, and I told a story how I had to 
frantically, and I say frantically because Rose was on point again after I already shot at a grouse or tried to shoot at a grouse that she had pointed beautifully, a pair of them actually, and had no chance of taking that bird down with the pellets literally rolling out of my barrel. (laughs) But anyways, I had to look for a stick and was joking that I had to find one that could go down a 30-inch length of barrel to dislodge the wad. Well, a listener of the show, as you all so commonly do, chimed in with a great suggestion and told me about a product called the Wad Knocker, which I haven't ordered one yet, but it looks like a super clever idea. It looks like a little brass thing and is made specifically for this purpose. It is a small little thing that has a keychain loop on it that I am assuming telescopes out and allows you to clear the wad or any obstruction really out of a barrel that has an obstruction in it. So I will in all likelihood be purchasing one of these and dropping it in my bird vest as the listener said that he does. And I will also throw a link to it in the show notes as really not a bad thing to throw in the vest. If you have any kind of obstruction, drop your barrels in the dirt or the snow or something, uh, especially this time of year, watch out for that snow. It's one of the things I love about having a double gun. One of the safety features of a brake action double gun, you can very easily and on the fly break the gun open, pop those shells out and take a look down the tubes against a good blue sky background or something and just see that they are clear and free from obstruction. Never a bad thing to do, especially if you take a spill or drop your gun or anything like that. So one of the pros of a double gun, and I will likely be grabbing one of these wad knockers. So thanks to that listener for sending it in. And I will also quickly read a email on the same topic that I got from a listener, Zach, last night, sent a nice email in. I will read this quickly from Zach. He says, hi, Nick. I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to each Friday's new episode since you started with that schedule. I'm in my 40s and have my first bird dog in her third season this year. We are having a blast. She's grown up on a steady diet of the Birdshot podcast whenever we're in the car. Thanks for all the great advice, info, and community. I was listening to the latest episode and wanted to reach out about those dud reloads you talked about. I started reloading this January after picking up an old used Mech 600 Junior off of Craigslist. I announced proudly at the skeet range the following week that I'd be shooting my own reloads for the first time. My pride shrank considerably after not one, not two, but six duds went pop instead of bang in that first box of 25. After the first dud, after a bit of ribbing, a more seasoned member of my squad that day advised to check the barrel to ensure the wad made it out as you described. Thankfully, there was a dowel in the high house to assist. And then he explained that what I was hearing was the primer sans powder. Long story short, my mech had a worn washer, which caused occasional failed powder drops. I replaced it with a new factory part, and voila, I've had zero duds in the ensuing many hundreds of shells. What I do now is what the more seasoned reloader also advised, just visually check the powder drop each time. It doesn't take that much extra time beyond what I'm already committing. So much for the speed reloading I saw on YouTube. Ha! (laughs) I've read about powder migration causing duds as well, where static or gravity causes the powder to move past the wad where the primer can't get to it, so I guess that might be a possibility too. Anyway, hope this helps. Let us know what you figure out. Thanks for the podcast, man. Thank you, Zach, for that email. I really appreciate it and always happy to hear from listeners of the show. And I appreciate that additional insight and advice. And I should take a moment here to also share a tip that I got from Dell as far as what he does. He recommended that if interested, he likes to use a powder thrower, which I admittedly don't know much about, but Dell instructed me that it was a 
pretty readily available tool. You could go get an old one, use one. Like a lot of people buy these old used reloaders like I did and the emailer did. You can pick up a powder thrower, which from what Dell was telling me is just a much more consistent way to drop powder into the reloads. And he really liked that for the consistency of actually the powder that they're dropping. And then in this case, you know that you're dropping the powder in the shell. So you avoid what happened to Zach and I. And Dell told me, he described this me method of using it, which I found was kind of interesting. He uses these reloading blocks. And if you know anything about reloading, this will make sense to you. He sizes, deprimes, and primes the shells, puts them in with the mouth of the shell down. And then as he flips them over and drops the powder, he puts them back in the block and has the mouth of the shot shell up at that point, obviously. So I thought that was cool. I'll be looking into both of those things, the wad knocker and the powder thrower. And I suppose I could mention if anybody out there has a powder thrower that they're not using and would like to get rid of, you can always email me at nick at birdshotpodcast.com. All right, and last thing I want to mention before we jump into our conversation today, this is Upland Gun Company related, but we don't talk about it in the conversation today because it wasn't ready at the time of this interview, which happened back in October. But this is an idea that was, I would say, probably on the drawing board from about day one with Jerry and Dan, if you ask them. And it's been mentioned to us by many, many customers over the time. It was somewhat of a pie in the sky idea, but one that we thought would probably eventually be possible. I think if you asked us, honestly, I don't think any of us thought it would be quite ready yet, but I am very pleased to let you know that a 3D gun builder, which is about exactly what it sounds like it is, is available now on the RFM website. It is not yet linked to our US website, uplandguncompany.com, as we are working on a few things, conversions and tweaks to make the platform work with our website. It will be eventually, but right now you can go to the RFM website, which I will link to in the show notes and mention the 3D gun builder. You can go there and you can build a gun much like you can already do on the Upland Gun Company website right now with the drop down menus and the selections and the choices that we will talk about a little bit as well on today's show if you're not familiar. But unlike our website, with the new 3D Builder, you are going to have a virtual visual model of the gun changing as you make those selections, which again is something that we always thought would be an awesome addition to our building and ordering process. Well, we now have it and it is in its infancy, its early stages, so it will continue to evolve and develop over time. I will simply say that if you run into anything in the builder or see anything that doesn't make sense, feel free to email feedback to info at uplandguncompany.com. That would be very much appreciated. As I said, we are continuing to work on this, but it is available for you to check out and play around with now. So head over to the RFM website and build a shotgun with the 3D Gun Builder. All right, with that said, let's move into the conversation today. Today, we're going to get to know a little bit better two guys that I work with. And maybe after listening to this, you'll have a much better idea of what I have to deal with on a daily basis working with Jerry and Dan. Haha, <laughs> just kidding, guys. In all seriousness, I do consider myself very lucky to be working with Upland Gun Company and with Jerry and Dan in the work that we do for our customers. And we have a lot of fun with it. We take a lot of pride in our process. And as you'll hear on today's show, the manufacturer that we work with, RFM, takes an immense amount of pride in the work that they do and the guns that they ultimately build for our customers. And that in and of itself has been one of the most unexpected things for me, I would say, in 
taking this opportunity and doing this kind of work, working with the manufacturer and the customer and taking these guns from the imagination of the customer all the way to the finished product and back to the customer and into the field. It is so much fun to see these guns come to life. And from where I'm sitting, getting to work with the manufacturer and the Italians every day, it's just a blast. And it's amazing how much pride they take in their work. And I think that ultimately makes the guns what they are and is what we hear from our customers time and time again. So we're going to talk a little bit more about it today. We'll talk a little bit about Dan's upbringing in the UP. Of course, walking to school uphill both ways, that kind of thing. And I'll say it again. I consider myself really, really lucky to be doing the work that I do, not only on this podcast, but with Upland Gun Company. And I have Jerry and Dan to thank for that. So it was a lot of fun getting them both on the podcast and talking a little bit more about what we do. So with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Birdshot Podcast, Dan LaFond and Jerry Havel. Jerry. We're 11 days into October. We're sitting in the main lodge at Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. How are you feeling? What's the date? October 11th. 23 days left. How about that? <laughs> Day at a time. Day <laughs> at a time. It's, all, it's been a great season. We're seeing lots of birds. I had to give a lecture to a guy yesterday. Oh, God, I can't wait to touch a no. If anybody asks, you're seeing these down in Hennepin County, Minnesota. <laughs> Lots of birds down there, but uh, it's been a good year. A lot of fun, a lot of good stories. Dan's even killed a couple birds this year, so it's been they're good. Thick. They're thick. <laughs> they're that thick. Dan can hey, shoot a bird. Let's, we don't need to pump it up too much. There you <laughs> go. Oh, good season so far. Good season so far. Yeah, the birds seem to be uh, uh, coming in pretty good as far as the, uh, the woodcock and what they finally come down. So the guys are getting a lot of flushes on them, what really, really helps fill the day out. Yeah. But the grouse have been excellent. They're in the, seems like they're really hanging out in the thick, thick, heavy stuff. Yeah. More so than, than up in the, the high ground at all. It's just been very dry yeah. out there. So they're, they're down there where it's damp and cool, I guess. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to talk birds and we're going to talk shotguns today. Let's, let's take care of a few items of business we got to do some intros this is fun obviously the three of us know each other very well the listeners may know each of us to varying extents but uh, i'm excited to have you guys on the podcast today and for us to get a chance to sit down and talk a little up and gun company and some of the other things that that bring us all together dan you've never been on the show before introduce yourself a little bit and love to learn a little bit more about your hunting background yeah dan lafon um been in this gun business many many years Started out as a manufacturer's rep, and then uh, in my later years, owned a rep agency, and we represented lines like Colt, Smith & Wesson, Gar Rifles, Mossberg Shotguns, so I think that's how oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. What's that? A little bit of background's okay, but that much background. Yeah, because you're in a working camp. Yeah, that's true. Right. Life doesn't stop for Dan and Jerry. Yeah. 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 No, that's... Uh, Maybe for Fred. Yeah. Normal, normal stuff here at Pine Ridge Grouse Camp, but that's all right. We will roll on. Okay. Anyways, we were we were getting to know Dan and Jerry a little bit. And Dan, you grew up in the UP, right? Right, the Upper Peninsula, born in Escanaba, yeah. and uh, lived about thirty miles north of that, basically between Escanaba and Marquette. So I was basically my dad was a logger, and uh, so I was brought up in the woods. Yeah. Got to handle a lot of guns early in life, just kind of way of life. I mean, when you were, shoot, seven, eight, nine, you had your BB gun. And when you were 10 or 11, you got a 22. 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even consider giving my grandkids a 22 yeah. 11 years old <laughs> in today's world, right? Yeah. But that's what we did. And uh, uh, then you'd get, you would uh, gravitate to when you could handle a shotgun. Uh, the shotgun that was in my house was a, uh, that my dad let us use as kids, was a Mossberg bolt action poly choke 410, which was impossible to hit anything, right? <laughs> so I really liked stationary targets like spruce grouse in the trees. <laughs> so, you could shoot spruce grouse back then. Oh, right? yeah, you could yeah. shoot them. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so I've shot uh, quite a few spruce grouse in my life on the ground or in the, in the trees. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember the first one I ever shot in the air, uh, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. A roughie with that little uh, bolt action. No wonder you, you still know. love four tens. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, that was a, that's, that's, I mean, how would I remember that, right? I'm 72 years yeah. old, and at, a, at probably 11 or 12 is when I shot that bird. Uh, it was a big deal. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. but anyway, that's, you know, what you shot in those days, of course, uh, you know, the mom and dad would sing out in the woods and hopefully you'd shoot some rabbits here. Yeah. Something to well, eat. Something, you know, to, to bring home because ammo's expensive mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but it was a real treat as a kid to be able to go out there and, uh, you know, we did, we basically in the fall hunted every day, every yeah. single day. Yeah. You know? So that was pretty cool and. First thing you did when you came home from school, grab the gun and head to the woods. out the door, just like they write about the books in the magazines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, you walked to school uphill both ways. Well, yeah, both ways, and it was snowing. <laughs> remedial, remedial <laughs> school. So, like you know, in those days, you could literally take your shotgun to school with you. Yeah, nothing was thought about it. Yeah, they would drop you off, and you could hunt your way home. So it was a pretty, pretty lot of See kids a nice piece there. of grouse cover and have the yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in the UP, I mean, it was all grouse cover, mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, I learned an awful lot as a kid hunting in places that you today wouldn't consider hunting, you know, up in the hardwoods or this yeah. and that. But what you find when you do that is you do find birds up in those hardwoods. And you're, you're just wandering. Well, they're eating berries. Yeah. They're eating things that you won't find down in the, in the lowlands, you know. So there is a lot of food up there. Um, in the hazel and whatnot. So yep. it's, uh, you know, you find that out as a kid because, uh, you know, you're like, again, you don't know what you're doing out there. So you're you're gonna, curious. You're hunting, you're hunting everywhere, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so, yeah, I was talking about that with Kevin, our film guy. I don't know if I'm supposed to look at the camera, but that's all right. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about that the other day. I was, you know, it's, you get older and you do this stuff, and sometimes, you can get tunnel vision, like, oh, I'm looking for a 10-year-old aspen cut with a swamp edge, and I want to do... Whereas, I know, Jerry, I've hunted with you enough to know that I, you're not like that. You know these places. You know these places like the back of your hand, so it's a little bit of you kind of have the confidence. But just especially in a year like this, where we are seeing birds and they are starting to spill out into other areas, go and just walk. Just, just walk, walk and wander. Yeah. I mean, you know if you're not in bird cover... But never you're gonna have a you, you, you if you're not in bird cover, there's probably gonna be a bird there. Yeah, high you, you, it's a draw at everything. Yeah. A lot of high grass. Yeah. Typically, a good alder run, a real swamp. There's no bad bird there. You got a good dog and legs. Yeah, you got to be able to walk, man. You got to be able to move through the woods. Yeah. I mean, an average go out in the morning, hunt a couple hours. You're gonna you're gonna walk three miles. You know, anyway. You know, and it's through the brush. You're not. Unless you're walking two tracks. Yeah. You know, and you can find birds off of two tracks just like you can, yeah. you know, walking through the bush. So uh, it's just a little more difficult. So, but uh, yeah. you got to get out and move around, push through the brush. Yeah. 
So how how long were you in the UP? And then I want to get to kind of how you got into the world of firearms and shotguns. Yeah, I was. Uh, we moved out of the Upper Peninsula uh, when I was like thirteen. Wait, wait, wait. Tell the story though. Your dad thought he was the big sold all those sections. That I think that's a great story back then. Go ahead. He's got a history. Yeah, he he owned like eleven forties because he was you know timber cutter. Okay, yeah. And he'd buy these forties and then take all the timber off and then they'd sell the properties, right? Slick them. Yeah, basically, right? And I mean, he had big crews working with him and whatnot. And uh, uh, but that's what they would do in those days. And I mean, when we moved out of the UP, he sold all that, including a. three-bedroom log house. See, he sold the three-bedroom log house. I think it was on 40 acres. And that sold for something like $6,500, the whole thing. <laughs> you know, so. And now. I mean, now it's just outrageous, yeah. right? Yeah, So, yeah, they had, uh, I wish we'd have stayed in UB, you know, and yeah. would have kept all that stuff. But, but anyway, that's one thing about the Upper Peninsula. There's tons of federal state land here. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of room to hunt uh, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so that's uh, that's one of the great uh, things we have there. So, anyway, um, in the firearms, shotguns, though, how, how did you get into that world? Well, uh, as far as getting into this business, um, I was in the uh, did a tour of the Air Force, and while I was in there, I worked part time at a sporting goods store uh, in Oscoda, Michigan, and. Uh, gentleman came in there one day by the name of Jay Poet, and I was pitching a rod and reel to a guy. And uh, he came over to me a- afterwards, and he said, I understand you're getting out of the service, and it's like September. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm getting out here shortly. And uh, anyway, he gave me his card, and he says, you know what, come see me. So I did. And uh, went and seen Jay at uh, Jay's and went to work for him in his uh, warehouse to learn product and whatnot. Uh, for six months, nine months, and then he put me on the road uh, in the upper part of Michigan uh, selling sporting goods. Yeah. So I kind of learned the fishing tackle end of it, the ammo end of it, the, the gun end of it, and I uh, was pretty much hooked, you know. Uh, I'm have, having a love for that stuff anyway right, as right. a kid and using it all my life. So anyway, I worked for Jay for a couple of years and uh, was hired by a distributor out of Chicago, uh, Jay Sporting Goods, or um, Faber Brothers out of Chicago, okay. and um, did a stint with them and uh, was eventually hired by a rep group that had firearms and whatnot and uh, spent about uh, five or six years with that agency. They were more uh, into the fishing tackle end of it, had a, had a few guns, and was hired by another agency Ron Provenzano and Associates out of Chicago, and they were uh, had OF Mossberg and CBA black powder guns, and really got me into the firearms end of it, and spent uh, ten years with those guys, and then uh, started my own agency with a partner Robert Schuber out of Chicago, and uh, we had at that time uh, CBA. We took CBA black powder guns with us when I left Tasco Optics and. Um, that's kind of how my outdoor career started. And uh, um, we represented Cole Smith & Wesson, yeah. uh, Brigada Rifles, and was really heavily into the firearms part of it. And so our agency, um, Bob's and mine, uh, lasted about 20 years. Oh. We, we sold the agency. Um, 
and uh, I retired for about three weeks <laughs> and needed something to do. So no, knowing you now, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, traveled back to Europe, um, and at one of the shows, we uh, looked at uh, Jerry and I were both there. Hold, hold, hold on. We we got to. I got to know, like, because you guys know way back. At what, oh, yeah. at what point did you cross paths with your known associate over here? Oh, yeah. well, I can get into that. <laughs> well, I, had, I, I was working for a rep group Remington okay. and just moved from Minnesota to Michigan. And I honestly got to do, this is the truth, Michigan's kind of known for an old little old school network in there in the rep world, and Dan will agree to that. Yeah. And so I'm pretty young coming in there and... Yeah trying to make stuff happen and taking some shelf space from Winchester and doing this. And everybody, I, I led with my chin, so to speak. Everybody was not real a big fan, if you can believe it, of me. Uh, except one person was nice to me, really, as a rep, and that was probably Dan. Okay. No and the only reason was, was two reasons. One, we didn't compete any lines, yeah. so I couldn't beat them up on the shelf base or outsell them. And two, I had access to free ammunition. That's the only reason I said about right. Trust well, me. Yeah, I found I liked him a lot. Like, yeah, when I heard that. So we started just kind of shooting together, and we had a mutual customer right. who I, would, I wouldn't say customer, a mutual friend yeah. for a lot of years who was just here a couple of days ago. Oh. And we would shoot two or three times a week or four or five times a month, and we went through a lot of ammo. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were kind of just, then we started going to the UP together with a couple other friends for two weeks, a week here and there. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I, I tell a story. I taught Dan that birds are, can be pointed and they do fly. <laughs> you know, and uh, that was a big revelation for Dan in his life, in his life I think. But uh, we've had, we had a lot of good times in Michigan. And, and then when he was doing some stuff with, uh, with Alex, and they went, hey, he said, hey, look at this. Take a look at this. So it's an ad or marketing. And then I got on my soapbox like I tend to get carried away to do. And I said, God, this is all wrong. And you shouldn't spend the money. And we were talking. Then, like Dan said, we ended up going to Europe together yep. uh, to the Hewa show. And uh, had Upland Gun Company been established? No, or we it still you know, kind of a fake. No, it was we, yeah. you know, we had talked about things. Yeah. And uh, it was, we had a kind of a rough idea. Yeah. And, not really until we got to Italy, or excuse me, Germany, and I'm working the booth, and we kind of took tar turns walking the show, yep. looking for, we picked up another line. That, I don't know what we did that for, but it was, it was fun. And you had your own, you had your own booth there. No, we had, oh, no, we were, we were cruising the show. Cruising, and okay. so Dan would walk around and say, hey, you gotta go check these people. He okay. found them, go check these people out. They were busy. Yeah. Did you go check them out yet, Jerry? No, I, damn, sorry, we're busy. So we finally, Dan and I, at the end of the show, at the end of clothing hours, they were still in the booth. And Dan and I were looking at guns. And I think we both said, hey, we're going to come see you in July. Yeah. And they have zero, they have a little bit of English. And if you know, we have zero Italian. Yeah. None. <laughs> yeah. So I can just imagine you had two knuckleheads going over there. We're going to come see you in July. Nice guns. And uh, that's. We didn't know what to expect when we went over well, there. Well, they were very open with us. Yeah. I mean, in, in their in their broken English. I mean, they were extremely nice to us and went through the guns with us. And what I, having worked with AYA like I did and did the comparisons, I'm thinking this is a tremendous amount of gun. Yeah. 
for what I could purchase it for, right? And, uh, you know, what Jerry and I wanted to do was to bring affordable side-by-side at the time. We weren't even thinking over and unders because it's so competitive yeah. on the over and under side. But we thought we can bring in a reasonably priced yeah. side-by-side uh, to where you're not having to spend seven, eight, ten thousand dollars on a decent gun to hunt with. And it was all about a hunting gun. Yeah. It wasn't about building a fine gun or the best wood or all that stuff, but mechanically, yeah. we wanted the gun to be bulletproof. Yeah. Right? And and part of it was you and I hunting here at Pine Ridge yeah. Yeah. and seeing these guys driving a hundred thousand dollar trucks, flying in on a on a on a citation at the local airport and carrying literally a $700 gun. Yeah. And because Dan, they really didn't know. They didn't know. We, they didn't have access to it. Yeah. You know, that's when, right. Dan, Jerry, why is this guy carrying a $700 gun? Yeah. Dan, I don't, hey. And that's where that kind of, that two to $4,000, 2 to $5,000 price point, we kind of figured. You guys had that. There's a market there. How do we get it? Yeah. Right. And it was, you know, in the early, early days of this company, you know, we initially thought, well, let's bring in, X amount of models, and we put start putting it all. Yeah. Did it, we did it how it's been done forever. Yeah, did it how we did we went how over we there, knew how to we do it. We went over to the company we were talking about, by the way, is RFM, right. which we haven't picked up on yet, that yet. But you guys went over there and you went on a little shopping spree and oh put together God. all kinds. I remember right. that first right. shipment. And I wasn't with right. the company, but I was talking to Jim. Yeah, at the time, we hadn't settled in on really doing bespoke guns. Yeah. Right? We were trying to do it by models, and we found out. Really quick after I, we did all the spreadsheets and did the, the analysis on the numbers, we were too broke to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, you know, yeah, exactly. To be honest with, with you, you know, it, it had been well over a million dollars just to bring in a basics assortment, assortment of guns what you that would really normally do. Yeah, and then you're out against all of the big guys trying to compete with a non-branded yeah. gun in the U.S. So. We quickly decided that's not going to work, so went back to the drawing board. And uh, uh, and what's nice about this Italian company, and it's you know I guess our dumb luck or whatever, we just we kind of went with the uh, with this company visiting them in Italy and whatnot. But they had already been doing this for right. years, right? You in know, Italy and Europe, yeah, yeah, they've been doing it all over Europe. Is it was a one-off? Every gun they build are one-offs, right? No two are alike, and uh, so all all assembled by hand and done by hand. And uh, you know, they're when you go to their facility, their people are artisans. I mean, they, you know, you're a stock maker, or you're an engraver, you're, you know, you work with the metal and the barrels. There's no production workers there, yeah. right? And you take the stock makers. One of our stock makers, I think he started when he was 14. You know, now he's what fifty, yeah, and uh, that's all he's ever done. But people come from all over the world to have their guns stocked by this guy. By our found, yeah. they're known for that, yeah. right? They're known for how they do their barrels, you know, and how they align their barrels and whatnot. They're very, very good at that. So it's just not only hunting guns that they build over there, but they'll they build a lot of sporting clay guns, trap yeah. skeet, all that, and they had for years. And uh, so they were very used to doing what we were going to attempt to do in the U.S. Yep. And uh, so that's our niche where, you know, you can buy an over and under a side-by-side from many companies. But our little niche is is that with us, when you buy a gun, you can get exactly what you want. You don't have to settle for what's on the rack. Yep. So that's one thing. So if you want, 
everything on the rack's got 28-inch barrels, but you want a 30s. Tough luck. Tough luck. Yeah. Right? So with uh, us, you want whatever you want, 29s, 30s, 25s. Yep. We'll build it for you. Same with the, the other niche little part, of course, is fitting the gun. Fitting, yeah. fitting is, is huge for a customer that's never been fit for a gun. We hear the stories all the time. They cannot believe the difference in their shooting once they get a gun that fits. Because anybody can learn to fit a shot or shoot a shotgun, you know. What whether you're six nine or you're five six, when you go to the sports shop, you pick that gun off the rack, you gotta learn to shoot it because that's what's available. So they put extensions on the stocks and boots, or they cut the stocks and they try to adjust that shotgun so that they can shoot it. It's it's really why anybody that's into hunting or into shotguns has seven, eight, ten shotguns right. in their safe. They're looking for the magic wand all the time, right? They're looking for that one that fits them good. They're looking for that one that patterns right. And so that's how we end up with all these guns. So uh, the way we look at it, we can, we can save you a lot of money by building a gun exactly like you want and then fitting it to you. Yeah. I'd say we fit with our custom fitters around the country. We fit probably 95% of the guns. Yeah, the guys it's, that it's high. Guns. And it's really if, high. If I remember, like... You guys knew that the cust- the stock dimensions were part of what RFM was doing, but we, you weren't really thinking like how big of a deal that would be for right. an Upland gun company. I mean, I think you knew, right. but just like how many customers had never gone through a gun fitting, and that was really what was drawing a lot of people in at right. the time. Exactly correct. Well, we were we were in a business that never got fitted. Yeah, right. I mean, we could have I could have got fitted a hundred times, but never understood the importance of it. Yeah. And kick myself for not doing it when I was 25 years old. Yeah. Would have saved me a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and it's just, if you're going to do it and do it right, let's start from the scratch and get your right numbers, get your fittings, and yeah. then go from there. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous amount of people that are, you know, up at age, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old and older that have never had a gun fit to them. Yeah. And they love, they, they've shot shotguns all their lives. Right. Right. And, uh, we see it right here at the club, you know, it's really big guys come in here and they're trying to shoot an ill-fitted gun and are yeah. upset they can't hit anything, right? Yeah. And the gun fits part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's, I mean, one of the cool things having now, you know, I joined in May of 2021 and we've all been doing this for a few years now and we've seen enough of these guns go from really the, the imagination of the customer over to RFM to the finished product to back we get pictures from the field you guys you know you see it here you've got customers that have bought guns they come up here they go out on their first grouse hunt with their new gun and every night here at Pine Ridge one of the most fun things is camp announcements right before dinner and I mean how many guys have stood up there and talked about shooting shooting a bird the fitted or, gun the, yeah. their first bird with their fitted Excited. gun yeah. Excited about yeah. our buddy Brad's in camp this week and he he killed his first three grouse yesterday with his Venus right. 28 yeah. gauge Exactly. That was a campfire story last night. <laughs> and that's not easy. It's this is the conditions in the grouse woods are yeah. tough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got to be able to get through the brush. And uh, for him to come up here out of Texas and shoot three birds is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he was thrilled. It's very cool. Gearing up for your next hunt? Check out Ugly Dog Hunting Company for all your dog supply needs. Ugly Dog Hunting carries a full line of products for your bird dog and even some for you. Whether you're looking for dog collars, GPS tracking devices, kennels, beds, leads, training equipment, or first aid supplies, Ugly Dog Hunting carries it and a whole lot more. 
New owner of the company and friend of the Bird Shop podcast, Mike Nadusky, loves to remind me that while I do hunt with pretty dogs, every dog can be an ugly dog. Check out the entire selection of gear for you and your bird dog at UglyDogHunting.com. For many upland hunters, along with their passion for dogs, birds, and the places we chase them, comes a passion for shotguns. Upland Gun Company specializes in customizing shotguns for the upland bird hunter imported from Italy and shipped direct to an FFL near you. Select from one of their side-by-side or over-under shotgun platforms and customize the fit, function, and aesthetics to your liking. Design and build your next upland hunting shotgun with Upland Gun Company today. Visit UplandGunCompany.com. I guess being a few years into it now, I mean, you know, you guys have the idea and we make the sort of fortuitous connection with RFM who happens to be doing this this style of business that was what you guys were looking to do and it's worked yeah. really well and we've now proven that, you know, our customers are interested in it. What are what are your thoughts on sort of like where where it started from the idea to like where we are now? Like any sort of realizations or or things well, that you weren't sure about. Just a real quick is that some of the things that the Italians have been doing, you know, we Americanized the guns a little bit more than what than how they were American. Sure. You know, a thinner wrist in the gun. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the, the Italians are have a little bit chunkier stocks than a lot of their guns, and the Americans want a thin wristed gun. Yep. You know, especially so. if you're a vintage side-by-side yeah. shooter used yeah. to an old parker and old thought those things those guns are really, really slow lcs yeah. yeah so there was a particular style that we were looking for that we you know, wanted to mimic a little bit and of course wood is super important yeah and uh you know for most of the customers i'd say that you know we have standards through exhibition wood and you know we sell a lot of grade threes and fours um and again you know we tell everybody uh our guns whether you buy them basic shotgun at two thousand dollars right or you take that gun and put all you can on it and it's five six seven thousand yeah. dollars the bones of the gun are the bones of the it's gun the same, same triggers shotgun. are the same the barrels are the same we do not bring in entry-level cheaper gun yeah right it's it's the same it's the the quality is the same as far as the bones and that's that's important to us yep. we do have a gunsmith here in the state yep that does all of our QA and handles our guns, so that's good. Uh, that we don't have to send anything back to Italy. We do keep parts here as well, but we have very, very little problems. You know, basically, side-by-side side or over-under, they're kind of bulletproof compared to some of the Relatively things. speaking, yeah. Relatively speaking. Just tried and true design. Tried and true. They go off when you want them to go off. And they're a very, very, very safe gun. Uh, you know what the gun is... You know, when the gun is broke open, you know it's empty. It's a very safe gun to have in camp. Matter of fact, Jerry encourages people that come to the camp when they show up with an automatic to try a side-by-side or over-under and basically explains to them why when you're around a bunch of people like this, that side-by-sides, over-and-unders, double guns are, are much more safe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, an open gun's a safe gun. Just really the idea, like we talked about earlier in our the recording, was that a lot of guys are coming here that that can afford very nice side-by-sides. And like Dan said, we started with side-by-sides. Yeah. yeah. But the biggest thing is safety. And we, Upland Gun Company, I really think found a neat little niche to get people, I mean, an affordable gun, a basic affordable gun, that if they want to add an upgrade, they can. And yeah. We're seeing, I, I see a lot of throwback to the old uh, Dodge Chargers. 
if you buy any appliances, like an old uh, coffee machine, it's really old school looking. Right. The the guts and everything is all new and modern, but there's the look is still old. For that. For and yeah. you know, I've got a lot of Parkers. My son's name Parker. To give you an idea, so if you have a 130 year old gun, that's still a 130 year old gun <laughs> that looks like this. Yeah. But why can't we have a gun that looks like this with modern technology, modern machining, yeah. and modern parts, but it's still hand finished and hand fitted. It's it something you're paying homage yeah. to that. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it is. A lot of people are looking for that old school and, yeah. and there's I mean I can get talk forever on it, but it's, I think there's a yearning for a simpler time. Yeah. And I think you're seeing some of the side by side increase in sales a little bit. Not just our company, but other companies you're seeing more and more side by sides being introduced yeah. to that to that longer that, that simpler time. Now we're a little different because we're pretty proud of what we do. Yeah. And, and we're proud that we can have people have the option to do what they want versus going to a sporting goods store and having uh, one option. But, you know, the, the, the guy mm-hmm. behind the counter said, hey, you got, you got 10 of these side by side. Well, no, you don't you have one. Yeah. You have 10 of them, but they're all the same. <laughs> same. Yeah. 20 inch barrels and blah and all that. So that's kind of, I think, we're, I think Dan and I also, Dan and I are pretty proud of that, that we're giving people an option to create their own legacy, create yeah. their own memory. I tell people all the time, I mean, what was the chance that you've had a, when have you had a chance to put the very first scratch in a side by side? Right. Never. Yeah. You know, there's, I got a ton of scratches on my Parker. I put a bunch of them in there, but I never put the first. Yeah. And that, that, that kind of plays well, I think, or resonates with people very well that yeah. they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. It's, I was, I was just going to say, like, and I don't know if it's like the new car syndrome, you know, you get a, you get a Toyota Tundra and you see them all over the road, but I, we're definitely seeing more side by sides. I mean, there's there's it's, more attention. Right. Being Go back to, to the classic way of hunting, whether it's upland bird hunting. Yeah. Even you know, we're getting calls from the duck hunting community yeah. right now, yeah. and they want they want a quality gun for the blind. That's I think right. where you can see it the most, kind of that old school. Yeah, that yeah. old school thought. Yeah. And uh, just to get back to the the whole double gun thing and the safety part of it and all that. But, and I tell everybody, you know, you're in the woods, and you shoot twice at a grouse. And you miss, that's on you, yeah. right? Grouse wins. Yeah. And the gr- if the grouse don't win ever, we're not going to have any grouse. So, right. You know, the bird has got to win, right? Whether it's grouse, pheasant, whatever it is. If you shoot at that bird twice and you have you haven't hit him, bird wins. So, and that's all part of the game. I, think I did right? that a couple that, times yesterday. Yeah, that's all. That's all good. <laughs> that's all fair chase, and, and that's really how it should be. Uh, so, and I understand the whole duck thing and whatnot. Yeah, but uh, we are seeing it uh, in that now. We've had guys that uh, are even going to sub gauges for the ducks because they pattern so well with a lot of the new ammunition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. seeing a lot of twenty eight gauges built for the duck lines. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. It obviously much easier on the shoulder. Yeah, you know, you're shooting yeah. all day with a twenty eight as compared to a, a twelve gauge. But uh, they all get the job done. You know, an ounce of shots, an ounce of shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be able to shoot. There might be a gun like that on the table that we might talk about. Yeah, a little bit. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, Mr. Podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> As obviously a new person coming up, what are you seeing? And and I mean, obviously you help us out and work for us and all that, and I'm part of the team. But what are you seeing in that trend with our why are more younger demographic, younger hunters getting into the side by side type gun? Yeah, I mean, I. I wonder, like, where does that influence come from? And I and I can speak from my own experience. 
Yeah, we, we all had a similar upbringing in sort of northern Michigan, northern Minnesota. And I've talked about my sort of entry to grouse hunting many, many times. It's just partridge hunting with my dad, my uncle, and that kind of thing. You know, shotguns were a, they were a fun thing, like you talked about, Dan. Right. I, you know, I, I can remember shooting my first shotgun, a break action 20 gauge, probably a, you know, Walmart special or something. It was my cousin's gun. I shot a bolt action 410, killed girls with that one time. One foot off the branch, as Jerry to say. <laughs> Pre-flight position. Pre-flight. Uh, but, and in side-by-sides, I, I, I even jokingly will say, like, I kind of thought of them as like an Elmer Fudd gun. You know, like, they just were kind of a weird, I didn't have that, like, historical appreciation right. for them until much later in life. And it, for me, the dogs changed it. The bird dogs changed it. I got my first bird dog. That's about the time I met Jerry and kind of started spending more time around a pine ridge and people that have been doing it for decades. And I just eventually curiosity got the better of me in the side by sides. And I like to read. So I read the old books sure. and then you start to sort of, you know, see the, the images of the guns and read stories about them. And I guess I'm kind of susceptible to that. I just kind of eat that stuff up and I dip my toe in the world of side by sides and, Honestly, the rest of it has probably been <laughs> sort of like played out on this podcast over the last six years or so, but there was no going back. And I just, to me now, it's just a side-by-side is synonymous for bird hunting yep. in the way I want to do it, the way I like to do it. And that, that's just, you know, I know that's not an uncommon sentiment and that's what we're starting to see. Yeah. And a lot of our customers, again, I would say like the, the idea that you're choosing and, and building your gun, choosing the barrel length, you know, all right. the stuff we talk about all the time. That is, that is a huge draw for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're up here in Pine Ridge in northern Minnesota, but I mean, my goodness, we get them from all over the United States calling us. Yeah. And quite honestly, Canada and, uh, and Europe. Yeah. Even overseas. We're, and, yeah. And, yeah. We're getting, getting calls from overseas, but it's a, it's, you see it all over the U.S., a real transition back into these old classic guns. I mean, you're never going to sell as many of these as you would pumps or automatics or all right. that. That's just that's in the main market. But but there is a, a huge surge to come back to this. And uh, like I said, we're fielding many calls every day. And yeah. One of the kind of the neat things about our little company is because we are a small company, all three of us talk to every customer, mm-hmm. right, and multiple times. And uh, they call us seven days a week, and we pick the phone up and answer their questions and send them pictures or our communication, I think is it's really a big part of our success and uh, taking care of any little tiny issues there might be. So, yeah. Yeah. I know we all have fun having those conversations and talking to the customers and building their gun. You yep. know, it's, we're talking to a fellow, fellow bird hunter most of the time. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, we do that all the time anyways. Yeah. You, uh, get, you get a lot of those calls where it's, you know, you got to remind them, they, you know, they ask, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? It's almost always yes. Yeah. Right. It's kind of an open slate. Whatever you want on that gun, as far as engraving or wood or patterns, whatever you want, chokes, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, pretty much the answer is yes. It can be done, you know, within reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there's, there's limits, but, but I, that has probably been one of the most fun things for me unexpected is working directly with rfm the manufacturer yes. and again jerry commented on you know the english is i mean this is where sort of modern technology and stuff yeah. we use whatsapp and there's a lot of translation going on but we have we have developed a working relationship with them that is it's 
way more personal than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. And again, I wasn't into this industry. You guys could speak to how, how you, you know, other experiences you've had, but working with <clears> RFM <throat> is, is a treat. I mean, it's a joy to do it and just how much pride they have. They take in their work. That is and right. it, it's unbelievable. A good way to put it is the pride they have. Yeah. We have to call and Jerry talks them almost every day. Uh, are you did? Yeah. Uh, when we have to call them and call them out on anything, it's like they lost their dog. Yeah. Right. I mean, they feel bad about it. They're not gunsmiths. They're artists. Yeah. And then yeah, they, they look at themselves as artists. And I've dealt with a lot of artists, and they are artists who happen to be gunsmiths. Yeah. And that's how they look at every every gun, every and they do. And Dan's right. You you say, hey. We need this sticks to got and it's like their dog got ran over and their cat got hit and it's amazing how sensitive they get, but that just shows the pride and the care and the thought that goes into every But they're every, very willing to do And they'll do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, and that's what yeah. we like about yeah. them is that we don't get they're receptive you know, to they're all extremely the receptive yeah. and they wanna they wanna learn. They have we really believe they've become a better company uh since we've been working with them. And uh, it's just a collaboration between us, their, your willingness to do same things a little bit different at times than what, you know, remember, they've been building guns for almost 70 years yep. a particular way, particular platforms always work for them. Yep. So we come in there and say, we'd like to have a tweak doing this or that. You know, I can understand if I was sitting where they are, yep. I'd be asking myself, well, why you want to do that? It's worked just fine for all these years, but yep. they've been very good about it, and uh, uh, they're, a, they're a growing company and they're doing doing very well yeah so it's obviously a mutually beneficial relationship and you know as much as you guys had a plan for Ruffin gun company we learned from our customers you know like this relationship with rfm allows us to be flexible and so that we're making the guns one yep. by one made yep. to order so we don't have to do a big run of something and that allows us to kind of we can steer the ship a little bit right. with each customer we talk to. Right. And that, that, that's what makes this unique, yep. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't make, you know, a thousand at a time and find out you mess something up. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're very good at what they do. Well, speaking of kind of old school duck guns, let's talk about, we got a couple guns here on the table for us in front of us. And uh, let's talk a little bit about sort of the duck gun. We'll start in the middle. Side by side Zeus model shotgun, kind of purpose built for waterfowl hunting. Go ahead and talk about it, Nick. You you were integral and in, in looking at yep. this. And well, as Dan as Dan mentioned, we're we're start, you know we get calls from all over the place, and we're starting to hear from from some waterfowlers say, you know, "I like to shoot a side by side in the duck blind. What can you do for me?" And being a modern shotgun, we do have. We can we can do some things that you're not going to find on a hundred hundred year old Super Fox or Winchester Model really? Twenty One that kind of thing. But the neat thing, and we all appreciate this. So this gun we've kind of built with a with a customer of ours, Brad. His the idea in his mind is the Winchester Model Twenty One, the Super Fox. Sure. You know, sort of paying homage to those guns in a modern gun that might have a Cerakote finish, you know, weatherproofing, barrels approved for steel shot. You can shoot steel shot not non-toxic all of that stuff that you might not be able to do in longer barrels then it's got longer barrels longer barrels that was the barrel lengths kind of ebbs and flows and we see different periods in history where you have sort of a lot of barrel lengths that are similar so in this case we got 30 inch barrels on this gun you choose your barrel length you can go 
I don't know what the longest barrel we've ever done, but I'm 34 is the longest. 34. Yeah. And Dan mentioned sub gauges again, with some of the modern ammunition, making a sub gauge, a more viable option. People are, people are comfortable taking a, a, this is actually a two barrel set 2028 gauge. It's built on our Zeus platform. It's a little bit heavier gun than we would be talking about for a, what's my ideal grouse gun but we know that we're sitting in a blind we're, we're not carrying it yeah, through we the woods we in want it. some gun weight in it for swinging and moving that gun around so it's some recoil. recoil yep i think that gun weighs i think it's close to six and a half pounds and yep. we can rfm can add weight they can add weight to the stock maintain the balance yep. so if you have a target weight in mind for a sort of a purpose-built waterfall side by side we can we yeah, if we wanted it. this gun to be eight pounds, nine pounds, we can make it so. Twenty twenty eight gauge, you yeah. can have it. Yep. Yep. You can do that. In a, you know, which, who's got a eight pound twenty eight? <laughs> I yeah, mean, for, I don't think they made a twenty eight gauge super fox. Yeah, yeah. For a, for a blind gun, though, that's what you want yeah. in the in the in the duck blind. So yeah, and like all the other guns we do, you know, you again, you this has a matte black finish. You choose your bill length. You choose your grip. You upgrade the wood. You like pretty wood. You like standard wood. It's up to you. We have That's a, part of what we do. We have any number of Cerakote finishes. I mean, if you wanted this in green, you could have it in green. We right? are building a pink one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is my buddy, uh, Ethan Sippet. Yeah. 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 Guy with the pink gun. Guy with the pink gun. At <laughs> answering. Yeah. So anyway, that's a neat project. And, uh, yeah. If there's, if there happens to be any duck hunters out there listening to or watching this, listening to the Birdshot podcast and you want to build a, which I know there are because we've sold a few already. Yes. Um, I have, there's, there's one guy that, um, we built him a Zeus 16 gauge. It was, I think it was his third gun from us actually. Oh. And we put a duck, duck engraving on it. And so obviously there's that, you know, we, we like to put game birds. We can do a lot of grouse and woodcock, do mallards. We'll probably be expanding our, our, uh, catalog of waterfowl esque engraving patterns, but you got an idea, get in touch with us. That's that's the stuff that we all we all love to do and work through with our with our customers. Uh, we got a round body over under. That's new. Yeah, very. It's it's basically based off our SK series. Yep. But round bodies tend to be a hot topic right now. What do you what do you what do you think about round bodies? Like them. Me personally, do I'm a side by side guy, so I shouldn't comment. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like me commenting on German dog. They should not do it. <laughs> um, but what's nice about this is again, it's customizable. Like all our guns are, like we talked about. But the round body got a little different feel to it. Yeah, um, an ideal really if a little you look, smaller, a little smaller frame, a little, a little yeah. more daintier. Yeah, than our, our full SKs, but uh, you know, a gray. A great upland gun, great pheasant gun. We are doing them in 28 and 20. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if I was going to be a pheasant yeah. guy, I would probably I'd run our 16 gauge round body. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I can, we can, we can cross over and, and talk. We have our Venus side by side, which is our most popular selling model. And that's a rounded, but round yeah, round, yeah, so I think it just kind of, it's sort of aesthetically, it's like a game gun. It's sort of sleek, nimble, and it just sort of, is synonymous with a with a game gun, and I, I guess that's what people like about. It. I like it. I mean, I I am drawn to rounded rounded frames and rounded rounded body guns. So I mean, I like it too. I guess I'm I'm sort of pitching this to the audience, like you know, you like a round body gun. If, if you're if an you overall, do, yeah, you if like you're, about if you're, it. And the thing is with this gun, and all again, it's your gun. It's not Nick's gun. Yeah. Nick's not building this thing. So if you <laughs> like a round body with 
right. gold inlay and nice wood and an English and an English stock. Right. I think that's a big thing that I follow when we're talking about our SKs or our featherweight is that you can get an English stock on an over and under. Yes. That's something you see very, very little. Mm-hmm. And when you do see it, it's a special run of something that they made 50 of, and it's all the same, everything. So that that's a big feature, uh, I think, as on an over and under. very common for people to add an English grip to an over and under. Because they've never had the choice before. Yeah. Right. There's a few out there uh, that had it. and And I think that... For some people, that English grip gets associated mm-hmm. with upland hunting. For me, side by side, yeah, it always it always was that I always the Browning upland guns. They would have the straight grip, and I I think that caught my attention as like a <clears throat> 10, 11 year old kid, and I just thought it was cool and associated with upland hunting. Now I've just come to love shooting guns with that grip, but that's a very common very common add on for a lot of the over unders that we that we build. So yeah, SK round body will be available on the website soon if it is not when you're listening to this just as an fyi but sk it's it's again based on the sk fuel platform but you get a round body round body frame um this is a special one yeah this one's cool this is a beautiful gun i'll kind of introduce it and let dan tell the backstory of it but it's venus with a lot of custom stuff black parts upgraded wood uh good looking Brittany. And initially, a little nickname on the back, but... Did Havel just say good-looking Brittany? I did say that. Oh, my God. Add it, add it, add it. Um, well, my point is, I'll let Dan tell a story. Is that one of the neat things that we can do, and we've done a lot of it already, yeah. is have... Let's say I want to build a gun for Dan. What's Dan like? What's Dan want? His custom dimensions. Yeah. Or build a, build a gun for your father, who's turning 80. How old was he? I think 80. We had him fitted. Yeah. And his son's building a, gu- a custom gun for his dad. So... This is a really cool one that we're kind of excited about, and it's a friend of ours, so go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, uh, this gun was built for a lady by the name of Stephanie, and uh, her nickname is Red. She's Redhead. Yeah, yeah. I I forgot we put that on the trigger. Yeah, Yeah. yes. uh, Anyway, and her favorite Brittany was uh, a hand engraved on there, so she doesn't know that's coming. So that'll be a big surprise. But, yeah, she was a – she shot a little Ithaca 20-gauge. Okay. Uh, they hunted with her for a lot of years, her husband Dudley. And uh, they have a place down in southeast Georgia that they shoot a lot of quail and whatnot uh, from about uh, October through Lurch, really. So we get down there a lot, shoot a lot. So she finally decided that she wanted a custom gun, right, to fit custom her. Custom fit, yeah, exactly. Cu- custom fit gun. So we brought her up. An interesting story on her. She's a uh, a gal that shoots uh, a lot of sporting clays with the Annie Oakleys down in Atlanta at the Burge Club and whatnot. And uh, so she's done this for years, and I've hunted with her for years. But she had never been fit. So the day that uh, Dale was fitting her, you know, part of the deal that Dale does when he's fitting a customer is he makes sure the gun is unloaded, shows the customer that the gun is unloaded, that he wants the customer to shut that gun Dale goes out there about 10 feet and has the customer point the gun at his right eye. Yeah. So she did that. And as soon as she brought that gun up and she pointed the gun at his right eye, her perception is she's pointing it at his right eye. Dale calls me over and says, Dan, come and look at this sight picture. So I did. What she did is she brought the gun up and she's pointing at his right eye, but the barrels are here. Yeah. Yeah. So she's left eye dominant. Yeah. And she never knew it. Right. So uh, Dell corrected that by putting some 
basically a obscuring the vision. Yeah, of the obscuring left eye. the vision of yep. the left eye, and of course, then it brings her over to you in her right eye. Of course, the barrels come right back over at yeah. that point. And she was until Dell showed her a picture of that. Right? She's like, no way. I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. And we find it's that very a lot. Common. Yeah. Very common. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people can't understand that. They can't. They're not shooting well, right? right? So, or a lot of them will tell me that are left eye diamond. They say, I kill every bird from right to left, but I can't shoot anything from left to right. Yeah. It's because they have that a built-in lead mm-hmm. from right to left, yep. uh, being left eye dominant. Right? So anyway, we corrected that. And uh, she hadn't seen this gun yet. We'll present it to her. She'll be up here next week at the lodge. Okay, okay. And uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is fit to her. It's a beautiful gun. <laughs> that is about as beautiful a gun as I've yeah, seen. Yeah. Art. It has grade five wood on it. Yeah. And uh, what I love about that wood is it's it's not in your face. It's actually kind of understated. But yes. You can just see it's a lot of a lot beautiful. of figure in it, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. So they they really did. She wanted to. Beaver tail forehand. Yeah, semi beaver tail forehand, yeah, round knob grip. It's like looks like twenty six or twenty seven inch yeah, barrels. Yeah, twenty six um, inch just barrels. Just a beautiful little shot. Yeah, but she likes to shoot a twenty, and uh, I think we built her pretty nice. One. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I would. I'm going to take on that. Yeah, we're talking about gun fit. We we're, we've always talked about it, but Stephanie's been shooting and shoots a lot, and but there's a lot of women that have not had the opportunity. A lot of women shoot and hunt, but the guns are not not even supposed to be fit. And if you right. kind of look at her, right. you got a real short length to pull, real high, you know, comb, so yep. to speak. And it's just really, I think it's more important for women to be fitted than men. It's more likely they're shooting a gun that doesn't fit. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just frustrating. And we have fitted a, a, a bunch of women here recently. And, I mean, she finally, you know, Debbie finally took her gun out. Never had a fitted gun. She's years old. She yeah. probably killed me to saying that. Um, anyway, but she she was so excited. She had a dog goes on point. Melissa Grouse gets up, one shot, one dead bird. Yeah, never, never, ever, ever, ever happened to her before. Yeah, and and, and 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 I'm not. She blames it on the fit. Yeah, she has a gun that fits her, and that that's a really big deal for for women. And uh, if, if that's a, it would be a great Christmas present. To get your wife or girlfriend fit in, yeah, um, and then you have more time in the field. Especially if you're a smaller stature, and, yeah, and uh, you know, a twenty gauge has got some recoil to it. So if you don't have the gun proper on your shoulder mm-hmm. in the crease, I see it all the time. They shoot with that gun out here on their bicep, it hung and they and they get all bruised up, right? And it, you know, it kind of deters them from to go to the field. Yeah. So. And uh, it is a common question for, you know, we get asked, you know, do you have a women's model shotgun? And this is, right. what did we say yesterday? Yeah, it's, it's, we don't have a women's model shotgun because everything we've talked about today, we build these guns one by one, made to right. order. We can accom- make all of the necessary accommodations for and any. changes to the gun on any of our right. models right. for whomever the shooter right. is. You, woman, yeah. uh, the guy that's 6'9", yeah. right? We built, uh, and those guys are are loving us when they're they're that big, you know, six seven, six eight, six nine. Yeah. And we can put them into a gun with a piece of lumber on it. Yeah. You know, that fit them. Yeah. So uh, they've never had that. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, it's uh, it's game changing for their shooting. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it's a big deal. Favorite grouse gun right now. I know you rarely get to carry a gun, but what's your favorite grouse gun? What are you going to carry if you go up grouse hunting this afternoon? <clears throat> Uh, Gage, tell me a little I haven't bit. built one yet. Yes, you have. It's just not. It's not, not here yet. yet. 
30-inch, 28-gauge English stock yeah. uh, skeet light mod. Yeah, that sounds about and exactly I've been like carrying one time. similar to that, <laughs> one I have carried, and it's it's, uh, it's a nice little... Um, we're, we're, you're seeing more 28-gauge small bore stuff come through yeah. our business, but even people through camp shooting that lighter stuff. Yep. It's funny, you know, for a lot of years, everybody had to carry a 12-gauge, yep. and then everybody had to carry a 20-gauge, and now you're thinking as, as the, older, the generation of Ralphs are getting older... We're sliding back to <clears throat> light twenty or twenty eight gauge. Yeah. And if you if you're a serious trout center right now, most of those guys are carrying most of those men and women are carrying twenty eight gauge. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, yeah. a lot of twenty eights. Yeah. And and a little bit slightly longer barrels, twenty nines yes. and thirties. Yeah. And uh, we get that question a lot. It does help these are featherweights and it really does like help ones. swing the gun. Yeah. Right? And a better sight plane, you know, longer sight plane. So you want a little bit longer barrel. Yeah. If it's possible, I yeah. think we've beaten that topic to death here on the podcast but yeah. it is uh it is interesting because i think it's sometimes counterintuitive you know there's this tendency to to think as the gauge goes down i want to shorten and shrink the gun and make it a smaller right. gun it's very cyclical in outdoor writers yes. yeah you'll see in the 80s and early 90s oh we gotta have short barrel at the short barrel yeah. i don't know if they needed something to write about or what yeah but it kind of cyclical now and i think there's enough good information out there versus 30 years ago why the advantages of a 28, right. 29, 30-inch barrel. We built a 32-inch barrel for a sharptail guy. Um, he wanted long barrels out for out west. Yep. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good data and statistics for that on loads and barrel lengths yep. and performance. So I, re- I recently interviewed Phil Borgeli, a shotgun yeah. writer, and that will probably be out when listeners are hearing this. So they, we, we got into barrels and gauges and barrel length and that kind of thing. The modern ammunition today has really helped us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, tremendously. Yeah. And, I, you know, look at ammo. You look at you look at buying a gun like this or any gun you want to take out west or wherever you're going to go hunt is that you really want to consider the ammo. So a lot of times it's one of the last things you consider when you go buy, you know, ammunition. You're looking for what's on sale. Yeah. And I tell everybody, you know, say you're going to take a trip to Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. You're coming out of, you know, a state that's, you know, you know three states away. So you've got... You know, you got sixty, seventy, eighty thousand today in a pickup truck. You know, you've got cost of the expense to get there. You got the cost of the lodge. Uh, you, you've invested in a nice gun, and you come up here with nine dollar and ninety nine cent ammunition. You're not doing yourself any favors. So, say in a three or four day hunt, you know the most ammo you're going to shoot if you just shot lights out, right? Uh, for those three days, you know, you shot a box, a box and a half a day. Right. Right. So how much have you got invested? Less than $200 if you buy, like, good boss stuff or good federal stuff, right? Yeah. But when you do the math, it's not much money. You got 150 bucks invested in ammo, but when you pull the trigger, yeah. you got birds. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, good nickel or copper-plated shot is what you're looking for. Yeah. So... If you and Fred go out grouse hunting this afternoon, what are you going to carry? I'm going to carry a 28 gauge, uh, 29 inch barrels. Uh, it's a Venus model. Venus, yeah. And uh, I'm very comfortable with that gun. I don't think there's much you can't shoot with 28 gauge. Yeah. Right. So if I were going to, if I was out west right now, if I were going to go out and be in Montana, uh, shooting those, those are heavy feathered pheasants out there. Mm. You know, because they're tough birds to make the winners and all that that they have out there. 
those those birds can take a lot of lead. Yeah. So I I do enjoy carrying a sixteen gauge out there. Yeah. So number fives or yeah something along that line. So good deal. Good deal. Well, if uh, somebody out there is listening and they they've heard plenty about Up and Gun Company over the years and and in this conversation, but anything else you would you would tell folks that about the company and you're limited by your imagination. There you go. Yeah. That's really. Yeah, and if we can't do it, we're gonna tell you. Yeah, but we have not. We don't. We don't say no often, and uh, you're limited by what you what you want to build. Yeah, yeah. And if you're, you know, if you've got, all we can do is recommend what what yeah. we think yeah. that you might use. You know, if you're on a grouse gun or a quail gun or whatever, if we don't know. We're not going to tell you, right? And we're not going to guess about it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, what we know is what we know right. because you know we've. We've done it for a number of years. Yeah. What we know maybe isn't, you know, how you were brought up or, or how you've looked at a shotgun in the past or whatever, but it's just that's how we build our guns is from just our knowledge, you know, of, uh, of how they work in the field yeah. and what gauge to use. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all about sub-gauges up here. Nothing wrong with a 12-gauge, yeah. right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with them. Yeah, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want with a 12 gauge, and, uh, including shoot three quarter ounce loads out of it. Yeah, shoot. That's exactly right. correct. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we, we do it. You know, we word of mouth is huge for us. Obviously, a lot of guys build guns and their friends want to know. And, and you know, we'll connect people with reference. And we have customers all the time. If you ever have anybody that wants to talk to me about my gun or shoot it, or, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's right. like that. It's a, yeah. it's a cool experience. And it comes from what Dan's getting at, really. We, we spend a lot of time. I would say we have sort of a high time investment with each individual customer, perhaps more so than, than a more transactional sale. Because again, we're, we're building this yeah. gun one by one. And to Jerry's point, that's the thing. Like I was going to say, if you have an idea, you want to try something. I mean, we have put a Shiba Inu on the bottom of a nice 28 gauge Venus. Yes, yeah. Not a great hunting dog, maybe during the Egypt times or whatever. <laughs> uh, we have put ski gondolas. We have put a chicken, a rooster. We have put yep. Bible verses. Yep. We have put literally, I mean, uh, company logos. We yep. have put brands. A Texas guy put his ranch brand on there. That's pretty cool. So common. we say we're, 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 we don't say no a lot. We don't say no a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure out how to, how to do it. How to do it. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking yesterday too about you know this this paradox of choice where somebody's building a gun with us, they're making decisions on features and components of the gun that they maybe haven't even thought about before. Right. You know, brass or ivory bead. That's simple, but it's something that you, you really don't have a choice. To do butt pad, barrel length, chokes, butt pad color, trigger guard. So to Dan's point, like we spend a lot of time just talking through, making sure the customer knows everything that we know about the gun so that they can sort of make the best decision and build the gun that right. they want. Right. It's fun. Right, exactly right. You have something proud that you can carry in the field. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Time is a tough commodity, man. It's the one thing we don't have enough of. You're right. So when you're out in the field, whether you're upland bird hunting or fly fishing or whatever you're doing, have quality equipment, it just, it's a better experience. Yeah. And yeah. So, since we're getting ready to wrap up, I just want to get it on record that, the only covers Dan knows in northern Minnesota are the ones he's stolen from me. They work. They work. They work good. I just want to get that on record on the podcast that 
Jerry, I just, I simply don't want you to be embarrassed with your customers. Okay, okay. When okay. you take them in there, there's no birds. I like that. I give you these reports. All right, Dan, okay. do you think he found the GPS tracker we put on his truck? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> air, oh, air works, tag or something. Works pretty well. <laughs> air tag. But, uh, Plenty of birds up here, so yeah, no matter where you go. What is it? Hennepin County, Jerry? Hennepin County is an awesome county. <laughs> a lot of public land. Um, there's a really good green area next to the federal space. building. <laughs> you know, uh, I would I would put your pointers down there. Park on Hennepin Avenue <laughs> and run run right in mean, downtown downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. Great grouse grouse country. Well, it's October. We're burning daylight. Thank you guys for for taking the time. This was fun for the three of us to sit down and chat. I appreciate you guys' time and uh, obviously being a part of this company. Something that I take a lot of pride in, and I'm happy to have this opportunity. So thank you guys. Thanks for the listeners and viewers tuning into this episode of the Birdshot Podcast. If you want to build a gun, head over to UplandGunCompany.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Birdshot Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and Upland Gun Company. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you really love the show and want to contribute above and beyond what you already do by listening, you can sign up at Patreon.com forward slash Birdshot. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Birdshot Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.